Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Fan Effect. I'm Andy Farnsworth from KSL News Radio and KSL's Movie Show. And joining me this time is Dan Spindle from KSL TV, our old friend Dan back. Yes, we're back with a new episode. And of course, if Dan's here, it could only be one of two things, usually one of one thing. And Listen, I, I'm multi-dimensional and multi-faceted, but, but today we I probably wanna... prefer to talk about Star Wars. Well, and that's what we're <laughs> going to talk about. And specifically... A very specific part of Star Wars. Yeah, I'd just like to hear that drum beat for just a quick second as we get going. Oh, yeah. We're talking about The Mandalorian Season 3. It's been a while since we talked Star Wars, Dan, so we've got, uh, uh, we got, was it eight? Eight episodes, right? Yes. We've got eight more episodes yeah. of The Mandalorian. Other Star Wars that's come out since we've last talked, The Bad Batch, we got uh, a whole... Uh, second season of the Bad Batch, which, uh, well, we're not going to talk about the Bad Batch so much. I hear I should watch it now. I, again, I usually, and I have nothing against the Bad Batch because I, I really enjoyed um, the first season, and I enjoyed the Bad Batch on those uh, final Clone Wars episodes that they released uh, what a couple years ago now. Um, but I haven't watched this season yet, and I, and I, I the Star Wars fans, oh, I just haven't watched it yet. I, I don't know why I haven't, but I haven't. So my my kids are a little annoyed because they kept watching it week after week. Dad, you got to watch it because they wanted to talk about it. So I won't be much help on that. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll 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 cover as much as we can. Well, and I only really want to bring up the Bad Batch. I mean, the Bad Batch it, it continues, Dave. I guess we're starting to talk about the Bad Batch. Free flowing conversations are always so fun. sure. Um, but the Bad Batch, to me, it's something that I enjoy. Not all episodes are of the same quality. I remember talking about you with this as I was watching it. Yeah. Um, some feel like they matter more than others. That that can be said for any show in the Bad Batch's defense. Uh, but some feel like they matter more in the Star Wars universe. Some of them are just getting to know the characters better. I'm not against getting to know characters better, if only because... That's one of the complaints about series that are movies only, is you get two hours to know the characters and you right. got to tell a, a story that makes it worth your time investing two hours at once. But with TV shows, you can take a half an hour here, half an hour there. Oh, let's let's have a story where it's just this person alone and not much else happens with the other characters. So right. it allows you kind of to have a richer feel. For better or worse, it's kind of what they did with the book of Boba Fett. We got some with Boba and some with Din. And well, some... and to talk about uh, Star Wars animation specifically as well, it's always been that way um, with the Clone Wars, which was always very high quality. The animation, the storytelling, uh, it felt big, it felt epic, and yet uh, some of the stakes weren't as high. Some of the storylines weren't as interesting. And then you get things like, you know, the Mortis trilogy where it's, you know, the very origins of the force and it's, you know, fascinating, deep, uh, you know, great deep dives into Star Wars. Uh, but the same thing with Rebels, the same thing with uh, Resistance, which I really didn't get into that much. Uh, but, you I know, there, there is a lot of episodes of Resistance and I gave I, that one felt like it was for like. Ten-year-olds, yeah, fluff maybe, like the um, new Jedi thing that came out on Disney Plus, right? The little where it's Jedi like little children, Jedi kids, but, and yeah. like a Han Solo type kid, and sure. I, I mean, look, there's, there's they're a place casting for that. a there's wide a place net for that. Yeah. yeah. Now, again, and we're talking about the main uh, series uh, shows now that are kind of the staples of Disney Plus, and I try to tell myself that this is weekly Star Wars. This yes. is weekly episodic. 
content in a galaxy far, far away. And so I'm I'm trying to enjoy every episode. There are little things here and there that I don't love. And we talked about a lot of them in the past. You know, if you've got Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers chasing around Mini Leia and you've got on Book of Boba Fett this speeder bike gang with these shiny out of world you know, speeders that don't mm, seem right. to belong on Tatooine. I mean, sure, there are little issues uh, to address, but as far as being a Star Wars fan, you know, most of the time I'm pinching myself. Most of the time I'm enjoying the ride. Most of the time I love living in that universe and that realm. Um, you know, and again, Andor was more heavy on the dialogue and slow moving plot, but really uh, heavy on the um, acting and great performances and monologues. When when this season of uh, The Mandalorian started off, right out of the gate it was, look how many creatures and colors and worlds we can kind of throw into this, yes. which, you know, kind of blew your mind. And so I, I get it that there's a, there's a place for all of it. So, I, I mean, I'm trying to anyway. It doesn't mean I won't be critical, and it doesn't mean I won't say stuff, and my kids will go, what, did you not like that? And I'll say, no, I didn't like it. And then, you know. I'll still go back to it. The more Star Wars content that we get, it's almost like, because it was so scarce for a while, I I look back at myself and how I reacted to everything, and there was a part of me that was like, I'm going to like this no matter what. Yeah. And I do, and I, I, I'm not backtracking, because um, anytime you have nine episodes in a, in a three-trilogy set... They're going to just fall naturally into an order of which ones you like the best. Now, whether I like A New Hope more than Return of the Jedi, that can change over time. Like oh, man. They, they may slip and change in the rankings based on how you're feeling at the right. time, what you, you know, how you remember experiencing it. I have Attack of the Clones way higher on the list than a lot of people, and maybe a lot of people who started um, watching the prequel trilogy after the sequel trilogy came out. Um just because the circumstances around it, I got to go see right. it a week before it came out. This was before I got to do this as a regular thing. Yeah, um, well, that would have been exciting. It was. It was to the point where I lost sleep. I kept dreaming that I went to the wrong place or that I slept too <laughs> oh, late. No. I didn't sleep the night before, and getting through work that morning was torturous to get to 10 a.m. so I could go over to the movie theater. But but then the experience that I had watching it was so cool, So, but it was added to with the extra excitement and getting to see it early and all that stuff. So maybe I would have a more critical eye depending on I was, if I was at a different age, if I was sure, older, yeah. if I'd watched yeah. more stuff. But at that moment, it was I, I remember how I felt leaving the theater, and so I rank it higher based on that, not necessarily the green screen quality versus later, sure. you know, stuff that you can that, – that maybe a lot of different fans feel more strongly about that I don't, but um, – all of it affects hard, the way though, you experience now, Star Wars. As we yeah. get more and more content, yeah, we become more. I don't know. Maybe the maybe older fans like us are more jaded. We've seen more. We've been around more. You know, yeah. stuff can happen in your life that either makes Star Wars a better escape, or something that you really look forward to as an escape. To, to you know, maybe something rough you're going through, or. It can suddenly a life event can happen that can make you to where like why did I care about Star Wars so much in the first place? So yeah. all those things factor in. So well, there's nothing to compare it to either. Where we're going in this world of content creation, like you said, it was uh, doled out as films in the theater. George Lucas decides a trilogy is the best way to go. You know, episodic was his original intention, right? And it right. is, but it was a trilogy. What trilogy existed before Star Wars? 
right? Well, I mean, there was the Planet of the Apes movies, but they weren't necessarily <clears throat> yeah, a connected wasn't a hard story. Beginning, with middle, the same end characters. trilogy, right? And so Dr. you Zayas, do that, maybe. And then he has the prequel trilogy, and then we moved on to the sequel trilogy. And so now with this content creation, it, it's just crazy how much we're getting. And so, is it going to get tired sometimes? Maybe, but I'm trying not to not to think of it that way. I think that's a good way. It's a healthy, <laughs> healthy attitude to have. Um, it's, and again, this isn't a podcast. Uh, you know, one of the great things that I think about Fan Effect as we've done this now for seven years, coming up on seven years that we've uh, since we started this podcast. One of the the hallmarks of it is we celebrate fandoms, and so right. And yes, there are parts of fandoms that you know can get upset. The you know they. In their defense, I'm never a fan of toxic fandom. Like when you start telling other people that they shouldn't like something because you didn't like it, that to me is a step too far. But you not you feeling like it wasn't the quality that you'd hoped based on your past experience, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with feeling like I didn't connect to this because there are parts of this I could admit I didn't necessarily connect to. But then I also read other fan reaction and think, well, I certainly didn't have that reaction to it. Yeah, yeah. And it helps when you talk about it and that's why we're talking about it here and 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 the listeners are talking about it with their friends their family because when you're in a community of fans it's a safe space to talk about things honestly and critically but also to to pump it up and just enjoy what you're what you're watching and that's what i love about star wars especially it wasn't as if and you remember this growing up in the 80s and the 90s there were fan groups and fan clubs yes but i wasn't right. part of a, a star wars fan away club. and i was well, never going to be had, able to travel to one well yeah and i wasn't a big collector and i didn't read a lot of the expanded universe i just had some star wars toys because that's what we had right and i played because with them and i watched the movies made them let's well, not forget that my part. dad well, <laughs> let me correct you my dad worked for kenner during the era and uh, his friends made them, and he oh, okay. was dabbling. And he, yes. he worked in soft toys, so I, he did tell me that he was working on the Ewoks toys for the Ewoks movies that came out after Jedi. So I'm guessing they fizzled quickly before the dark times. <laughs> yeah. So he, he's, the he's done some incredible, era. incredible toys. But yeah, I didn't get toys like Star Wars toys from my dad. Um, but yeah, I just I'm excited today to talk about too some of the fan experiences that I've had of late. That really, again, just make me enjoy it. And, and I'm so thrilled to live in an era where everyone can be as connected as they want to be. And you can kind of draw off of the fandom and the enjoyment and the happiness that other people have, too. It's just I, I love it. I love the fact that we can do that. Now, again, there's toxicity out there. There is way too critical groupthink sometimes out there. Um, so it's important to avoid those parts of social media if you don't want to be drugged down into the, into right, the mud. Right. Um, but for the most part, I really enjoy critical analysis of Star Wars that leads to greater joy from it as well. Because I just, I have so much joy in my life, my children, my boys, and my daughters too. I just, I enjoy it's it. It's good thing you added too. your daughters as an actor. Now, I had to do that because <laughs> my daughter Aspen, who's 10, always reminds me how much she loves Ahsoka. And her, so she has several Ahsoka figures, uh, you know, and, and very various Ahsoka, uh, you know, uh, memorabilia, memorabilia, I guess you'd call it. Did she ever meet Ashley Eckstein? No, and I've 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 she's tried come to, to Fanex at least once, I think. Yeah, and I, I would love to try and uh, put that Maybe out there into hasn't. the universe. Maybe she has. Maybe she'll and, come uh, this year. I would love to meet Ashley, and if, if Aspen, yeah, I could meet her, that would be fantastic as well. Well, let's talk then. Uh, it's interesting that you bring up. I jokingly referred to as the dark times, which was post Return of the Jedi, but yeah. uh, really 
pre Return of the Jedi by the way, Empire coming in back to the uh, movie theaters. I have yes, to throw that out there as right. well. So we're going to go see that in uh, fact, this weekend. In the next couple days. Yeah. yeah. I yeah hope we it got stays our tickets. than just Friday. Yeah, I think it's a week. I think okay. it's a week. Yeah. 40th anniversary. I, I mean, I remember where I went and saw it here in Salt Lake when I was. Well, I guess I was seven turning eight. I was, yeah, I was a little ago. young. I was 40. I was 40. I was two or three. We sat in the line through an entire screening because you couldn't pre-buy tickets at the yeah. time. And people were playing board games on the parking lot ground while they waited in line. And I remember I had to leave the movie during Luke's visit to Dagobah because we had waited in the line a long time and then the movie and I just couldn't hold it anymore. <laughs> so well, it's a good memory I never, got, I never got the whole well, Luke Dagobah interchange this, uh, until Dagobah's later. Dagobah's this planet, too. I mean, it was all in your it psyche going, help, oh, I got to get sure. out of here. <laughs> well, so we've got the 40th anniversary. A lot of Star Wars stuff. We've got the May the 4th coming up in yeah. a week uh, from when we were recording this. Uh, so a lot going on. So we needed some time to talk about what we've had. And uh, let's start. Uh, we played the Mandalorian theme. Yeah. Let's, let's go over the Mandalorian. Before we uh, dive into some some specifics of episodes, how did you feel overall as you watched it from start to finish? Did your feelings change? Did they stay about the same as you went through? You know, I, I will say there was there was a bit of ebbing and flowing, I guess. Um, but I, I thought it started off pretty darn strong. And now the problem is because everything's available at a click and a swipe, if you go back and watch season one or two and you, and you go through the great arcs in those seasons and you try to compare it uh, directly, you might think, well, how come Grogu doesn't have more to do here? And how come Din's doing this? And how come the, you know, where, where's the big bad? Where's the villain? So those questions popped up throughout the eight episodes. Um, and we can talk about specific episodes, you know, <clears throat> Jack Black, but um, and, and talk about those things. And we will. But for the most part, I was riding pretty high, and 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 I'll say after the finale, still um, watching the quality, uh, watching some of the direction. Uh, I'll mention Rick Famuyiwa, especially. Oh my gosh, incredible stuff! Uh, was there stuff to? Criticize, yes, but overall, I will say that season three was enjoyable yeah, Rick and a did success. The first, and then the last two, the episodes. last two, yeah. And we oh, got a man. Bryce Dallas Howard episode in there. Right, we got a Carl Weathers episode in there. Carl Weathers, I thought, did a very good job in his episode. Yeah. And so I know that uh, series television is where a lot of actors get their chance to direct sure. and get their director's guild cards. Well, and I love that they want to do it, too. I mean, because obviously Carl Weathers loves he's like one of these actors that loves to service a story and be useful. I know Harrison Ford always talks in those terms where he likes to work and service the story and he's not real sentimental about it. But then when they get to direct it. Then I think, well, you're taking some ownership, right? You're making sure that these characters who are entrusted to you for that 30, 40 minutes that you're doing right by them. Um, so I always look for now that we're, we're used to what three years worth of star Wars television. I, I look for something that I haven't seen before. I look for something that ties back to similar threads that we've seen before. Story-wise, I look for something where they're pushing the edge. And, and I thought there was all of that in this season. There really was. I, again, I know there's a lot of criticisms and critiques about specific things, but overall, uh, uh, my, uh, my kids and I really enjoyed it. I wonder if some of the criticism comes from an unconscious feeling of like, you're always chasing that first high. I mean, that's the term I've heard sure. when it comes to uh, things that stimulate your brain. You chase that first one. The first time you felt, you know, the first time you taste sugar, the first time you, sure, yeah. you know, you go on a roller coaster, it's like, whoa, I've never experienced anything like that. And then you always, you always hope that there's some way to get back to that point. Um, it's also almost impossible ever to get to that point, which is why sometimes things can spiral. But 
I wonder if some of the negative reaction is just a subconscious feeling from some people of I just I liked how I felt those first few episodes of watching when Disney Plus premiered and we got the Mandalorian and we were. We yeah. were kind of what like, we don't know thing? what we were, th- we were still processing how we felt about the sequel trilogy and what yeah. they've done with Ray. And well, it came the, out like and the, with the week the legacy before, characters. didn't it? Or didn't we see the Mandalorian like right so, as Skywalker came out to Rise of Skywalker? It was, yeah. So that means we're on four years of Mandalorian and three seasons. So you're right. You're right. It was 2019. I was thinking it was 2020, but it was 2019. Yeah. So we had the Mandalorian, which wrapped up the day before Rise of Skywalker. So there was- Which that was almost a problem for the sequel trilogy's ending, I think, is that once the Mandalorian came out, and you went, whoa, that was spectacular. Can't and wait you to saw, see what Rise of Skywalker is going to have. I won't knock Rise of Skywalker in the sense that I if will. you go back and look at what I said about it at the time, I, I mean, look, I was crying at the end of it, right? Could it have been just Skywalker Saga coming to an end, ninth episode coming to an end? But, you know, I, I reserve the uh, the right to alter my view of things sure, over sure. Look, the horses on the spaceship and the, uh, you know, not giving certain characters a fully fleshed out chance to exist in that world appropriately i i get it but the mandalorian was so good now i i i want to say too like the television aspect of it the mandalorian was so good and the volume was such a new technology that nobody had any clue what they were doing so the magic trick was totally hidden and you're just blown away how are they doing this now once you get the behind the scenes and you go oh that's how they're doing it and then it becomes once you do that your eye starts to pick out then your eye starts to pick out the lines between digital backgrounds and the real characters or if they're going on 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 see on set somewhere or on location rather Oh, that's just another Southern California set. So we get kind yeah. of the re- jaded as you and, get older, the real world creeps yeah. into your enjoyment, no matter what you do. Now, however, I would say is, have you ever watched a TV show, any TV show? It could be a sitcom, uh, a drama, whatever it is. Over the course of a few seasons, over the course of each season, there are some dips where you go, what were they thinking with that episode? That didn't feel right. And the tone kind of takes a little turn. That has happened here and there with The Mandalorian. I would argue not huge swings necessarily, except for one or two this season, but but that's okay. It's to be expected in episodic television. So maybe I'm an apologist here and, I, and I'm looking like at are. it through, through rose-colored glasses, but I think understanding television and not putting it all on a big budget movie, which hopefully we do get in the next few years of The Mandalorian. Sounds like we will from yeah. the... Oh, won't that be great? Star Wars celebration. Oh boy. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to digress too much from that. But anyway, yeah, you said overall. What is my my view? My view is, man, I enjoyed that season. Okay. Uh, overall, for me, it was, uh, and I, I think this is why I brought up the chasing the high because I I do recall there were episodes in the first two seasons, and and not just um, the end of episode end of season two when Luke Skywalker appears, which you know. Is, is a high that could certainly oh, exceed boy, what, a high. Yeah. what the start of The Mandalorian was because it finally gave us some emotional closure or at least seeing Luke yeah. not the way he was portrayed in The Last Jedi, getting to see him closer to the return of the Jedi. Luke, yeah, oh yeah. Which is what people were hoping to see. So I didn't feel that kind of a lift or, or that kind of a high. I never felt at any point watching season three that it was like, well, this just sucks. I didn't feel like uh, what some people are calling filler episodes. I didn't, I didn't feel like there were any filler episodes. No, and to me, there's because not much filler in Star Wars case, shows anyway. If, if all our shows ever from now on are uh, it had six better episodes deliver. has to lead to the next to the next, <laughs> yeah. that, that will get tiring because then it will feel yeah. like we're having a movie broken up into parts. And while that was, you know, 
we've we grew up on episodic television when it was true episodic television. I, I'm going to use Star Trek: The Next Generation as an example. There were moments in the series where it referred back to other moments in the series, but mostly it was the, the alien of the week they or the planet own, yeah. of the week. Yeah. And, you know, the villain of the week, the mystery of the week. All of those things are a term because that's how television was. They were self-contained episodes. Now they're called bottle episodes because the rest of the story is yeah. telling a story, and then you have this one that's in a bottle that's different from everything else. So we've got names for both sides of it, but I, I'm okay with episodes that don't feel like they're going anywhere as far as servicing an overarching story, because as far as I'm concerned, I don't want the stories to end. So this doesn't have to build to something for me to enjoy it. It can be immensely satisfying when it does, vis-a-vis yeah. the Marvel movies leading up to Avengers Endgame. Now, since we don't know where the story's going, there's been it's a lot meandering. less coherent. Yeah, yeah. It, feels, it feels meandering. Now, maybe yes. there will be something that ties it together, because there are shows yeah. and movies where, for example, the third, uh, what, was, what was the movie? The third movie in the trilogy somehow improved on the first two, um, just because, oh, suddenly things that didn't seem like they made sense were wrapped up. This is a silly example, but Bill and Ted Face the Music, to me, made Bill and Ted's bogus journey better. I didn't enjoy Bill totally and Ted's agree. bogus journey. I thought it was kind of well, dumb. I loved it because I was 11, and man, it was great. Right. <laughs> and we talked about it. I think we, we were yeah. on for the Bill yeah, and Ted's. Yeah. But then they came back with the third one, and all of a sudden, it made all these things that I thought were pointless or disliked or didn't enjoy. Suddenly, there was some greater meaning to it as yeah, far as servicing right, the story. In another right. movie that I did enjoy, so it was like, oh, that made that one a little bit better. I, there's yeah. another one that is slipping my mind right now, but... There are times where a later chapter in a story can help make a previous chapter in the story better. Sure, yeah. And so that's why I don't want to jump off, you know, too hard when something doesn't go as much as I might like it. Like, for example, oh, now I can remember what it was. Star Trek Picard Season 3 made Seasons 1 and 2 more endurable. I I, I thought Season 2 of Star Trek Picard, and I'm going to do a separate podcast about Picard, but the third one paid off everything and made the first two seasons better to the point where I almost wondered, and I wondered this on Twitter, if season three had been season one, would I have enjoyed it as much as I did having gone through to be able I to tell tie the kids, everything? I tell the kids, it's the dinners that you hate that make the dinners that you love it's taste true. better. Well, and along those lines, I would say, what is it that we expected to see when the Mandalorian was announced and that it was coming out? We had no we, expectations. We, well, think about because it. Because we, we didn't saw know anything about it. Mandalorian bounty hunter and that very first episode, he pulls out his uh, disintegration rifle and shoots a guy and he's trying to get that thing off of his ship and you're like, Wow! This season, we saw like 50 Mandalorians flying all at once. Fighting 100 in the Mandalorians, air. airborne, fighting a kind of Mandalorian storm hybrid stormtrooper, first yeah. order ish looking. What? Like it, the levels of expectation I fear are getting to a point that cannot be sustained because what else do we expect? Like it's yes. now what I look forward to is blowing it out for a movie, spending $200 million on an incredibly believable movie, yeah, that's the next stage, sure. Higher budget, just awesomeness, right? Agreed. But the show, I'm I'm watching it going, look, I didn't love, you know, if I want to pick out a few moments, Axe Woves and his uh, Mandalorian crew on the Jack Black Lizzo planet sitting in lawn chairs and throwing a football. I'm going, 
Huh? What are they doing? Like, are they? It's not a football. They sh- it's probably like a Blurns ball or it's something bl- like that. <laughs> Trademark copyright. Did you just say Blurns ball? That's Hold from on, Futurama. Oh, it is. Oh, I didn't realize you took it from that. Okay, never mind. Never mind. Futurama has that already. But my my point being, look, there's some tonal things with the with the Jack Black Lizzo thing. And at the same time, I really enjoyed that they went down and visited the uh, Ugnots in the droid smithing factory. Yeah. I thought that was cool. There were cool elements of every episode. All there the were, Babu Fricks. That was fantastic. What do they call? What, what are the? Oh man, what is that species? We can look they, it up. They kept alluding to that and, and mentioning the species. Um, Grief Karga again, uh, played by Carl Ruthers, was fantastic. I thought every time he's on screen, he's just he's great. Um, but the bringing back IG Eleven. Uh, having him house Grogu in a certain way and the no and yes and how Grogu got some autonomy was was an advancement of the character. Uh, until the very end and the last, I get they were trying to perhaps not overuse the Grogu Force connection. And if he decided against being with the Jedi, maybe that's his his quest is to be a Mandalorian, that kind of thing. But I just wondered throughout the season, so when's he going to do anything? When's he going to... Use the force. When's he going to connect or, or save someone or, or something like that? So that was a bit of a delayed gratification to the very end. Um, I, I wish they they would have brought back Moff Gideon about episode five, right? Okay. To 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 allow for more of a development, right? So that that would have been better. But again, these are to me small, minor complaints. All right. So we'll take a break. We'll do an episode breakdown after the break, and we'll look up what species Babu Frick is. Yeah. Fan Effect, Andy Farnsworth and Dan Spindle from KSL-TV, Channel 5 in Salt Lake City. We are talking Mandalorian Season 3. So we got Dan, I got your thoughts and some of the different insights that you had, some feelings you had as you progressed watching the, the Season 3. Yeah. Eight episodes over about eight weeks. Uh, now we have to wait for some more new grown-up Star Wars content. We've got Ahsoka later this year. Yeah. So as I watched... Um, we, it's been, first of all, almost two calendar years since we had new which is crazy. An episode of The Mandalorian. Now, we did yeah. have Din and Grogu appear in The Book of Boba Fett, so right. it's, it's only been a calendar a year, year since right. we've seen them, but it's been two years since we had an episode from them. And That's crazy. So when we get back, um, they advanced the story, um, and I don't know if people have paid close attention. I didn't pay close attention until I was doing some online research, but this is not like... Each season hasn't just followed immediately on the steps of the previous one. We've gotten about right. five years into... Yeah, they kind of had to say it at one point, didn't they? They said the years, and you go, wait, years? Two years? Or John Favreau, well, I think, said it. there's a... some things that give it away. Yeah. For example, uh, how much uh, Grief Karga's planet has Navarro. changed. Navarro. So Navarro, yeah. you, Navarro you have had, to imagine... refurbished. That, yeah. yeah, that took some time. For sure. Uh, but it's been about five years since the beginning. So now yeah. we're about ten years post-Return of the Jedi. Yes, yeah. And... That's something that it helps to bear in mind because if you're still thinking of it all as still happening in very a very condensed time frame, then some of the stuff might seem confusing. Um, and knowing that time has passed can help you maybe with some story points that you're kind of like, how did nobody notice this? For example, Moff Gideon disappearing. Like, how, how does right. how does the uh, I forget the rebel pilot's name. Um, <laughs> Recurring co-stars. There it is. Carson Tava. Carson Tava. I just got it. Yeah. Paul Sun <laughs> Lee. Carson Tava. So Carson Tava, he finds that Gideon, he's like, what? He never made it to trial. Like, I feel like 
an imperial moth that was menacing it's people. It's a big galaxy. It's a right. big that, galaxy. That, that somehow would have made no, news, but at any rate. You know, post-imperial moth who was kind of acting as a, as a gangster, I guess you could you could say that, right? They're all... A very classy gangster, yeah. of course, because oh my Giancarlo gosh, so, so is very classy. Yeah. Uh, all right, so let's quickly go through. At first episode, we finally get them back together. Uh, we've got the Mandalorians and their dinosaur uh, turtle, whatever they have yeah, to fight. Yeah, that was awesome. So we, we get to see how the Mandalorians induct their younglings into... Yeah, the, the the ones who follow the way the 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 children of the watch. Yes. I have heard this described as like the first season was a, a western, and kind of the epic nature of the second season. And this one goes into the more biblical realm. Kind of think of Ben Hur okay. and those types of you know because there were a lot of uh, religious overtones and themes. I mean, you start with a literal. Baptism, right? right. Um, or an and, attempted one. Yeah, or before an attempted a big thing one. comes oh, up out gosh. of the water. Like, yeah, that was not why, why are you shooting at him with your little spears, guys? Like, yeah. Maybe go into the cave and say, Just hide. I don't think we're equipped to handle a beast of well, this size. Well, it was, again, we were introduced to B-O-U-S's. a lot of different things. Uh, <laughs> what is that? Uh, Beasts of unusual, beast of unusual size. size. <laughs> uh, but what was great about it was, again, touching on the themes of family and the themes of what does it really mean to be a Mandalorian, to belong, this cult as it's been described, is it really that or is it something that that roots them in this ancient tradition and ancient history? So I, I was enjoying just kind of exploring that and John Favreau really opening that up. Right, um, we get IG-11, they cut him down from right, the statue yeah. and sort of try to revive him, but then that leads to the need to have to go somewhere else so then it becomes a little bit of a MacGuffin we got to get the piece for right. uh, IG-11 but that's it I mean it's that's television right that's, oh that's, yeah yeah no you've got to be worked. chasing yeah. something or else yeah. you're watching people well, sitting around I, talking like us so some of the criticism might have been in the later episodes I said well what happened to that and what about this storyline so I feel like maybe some of the storylines could have been threaded through a little stronger because I did wonder about that oh I guess they're not going to bring back IG-11 okay Except but, for then they did. And then finally they didn't. You go, oh, yeah, wait a second. It but was seven wait, episodes ago. didn't the body ago. get, like, smashed yeah. up? They, they, I yeah. had some so questions was, about that, too. That was tricky to follow, yeah. So the, we, but we also meet up with Bo-Katan Kreese, who's correct. now officially a series regular, at least for this season. Sitting by herself in a In, in her a, cool in a pose castle. on the throne, which yeah. she said she put a lot of thought into what, what pose she would be in when they walked in. Um, we also get to some a fight with some pirates. How on about Navarro. the pirates? I and I heard some critiques of those too. I kind of loved that first scene. And Vane is that his name? Yeah. Vane. Vane. Boy, I I like him. And I didn't. I I don't know. At first, you don't know what to make of it. What what is this pirate guy? I, I liked him, though. I really did. I, this is adventure, right? They bring in Westerns. You had, you had the Western theme and the Western influence, and now you got, you got pirate influence. Dun, I, I enjoyed dun, that, dun, yeah. Dun, dun. I thought Gory and Shard kind of looked Gory like... Gory and Shard. Kind of looked like a mix of Pizza the Hut and uh, yeah. and the Swamp thing. Sure, yeah. Kind of a, <laughs> a Chia pet looking. But, you know, and they did... I think, didn't he say like a vast G-Mates? kind of looked like that. I mean, he said off the starboard bow. It, it was so on the nose, and yet... I enjoyed it. I thought it was. I thought it was great. Um, I loved watching the Mandalorian uh, utilize his uh, uh, N1 Starfighter again. Is 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 you know uh, hot rod that he has altered? I mean, because yeah. that thing still just dominates. I'm still devastated that they destroyed the, the Razor Crest. Ship. Yeah, because uh, you have the toy. I say I have the toy. Yes, <laughs> I still love the Razor Crest. But having a maneuver with that, it's just it was cool. It was cool. R five. Yeah, as I say, episode two, we find R five, and we find that he's not. Uh, although in in comics, I believe they've showed that R five yeah, apparently was not just somebody that R two messed with and right, screwed up. Like yeah. he faked his own on purpose. Yeah. he did it for the rebellion, and he that was enjoyable. They, they called him the rebellion hero R five, right. and so that's right. 
But yet he could never get off Tatooine. That's right. <laughs> uh, so then we get uh, the cyborg creature when uh, Din goes to uh, Mandalore yeah. for the first time. Kind of uh, Grievous-esque is what I thought. Um, right. Very, very kind of general Grievous, biological they and yet really not. didn't really do much with them after that. No. Um, but they had kind of those t- t- taser kind of, I don't know what Grievous's guard guys are and what what. You know, they were called electrified them. staffs that they have, right. but it kind of used that too. Them. It was cool. It was it was very cool. I liked it. So Din then baptizes himself in the living waters. That's right when he finally gets uh, away, because Grogu helps him. Um, the the dark saber takes a little bit of a turn here that will become an issue later on, right. or, or maybe not, since they just crushed it at the end yeah, anyway. It's done now. Uh, we go to episode three where we get uh, Bo Katan saves right and sees the mythosaur. We saw the mythosaur. I, I I I'm sorry. I was paying, waiting for the payoff of someone riding the mythosaur over this into the skies of Mandalore to claim oh. you know the no we've already had a mandalorian riding a giant beast in the book of boba fett so. you know it was kind of supposed to happen though right that was to usher in but but it was fine it was very cool to see again to get your mind going of what does this mean what does that mean i i, I did enjoy that but this is also the episode where we get to have more time on coruscant with uh, right. dr kane uh, or not dr, dr. pershing kane, dr pershing yeah. and elia kane the former yeah. communications officer i who, i could not criticize that one at all because i loved it i thought the Andor feel people called it the Mandalorian, like it was like Andor. I I really enjoyed it because I was not familiar with the different um, ish, things going on, goings on of Coruscant, and with the peak going to that park and eating the glowing popsicles and things. I enjoyed yeah. all the exposition that, was that the I got. Mountain that. on Coruscant, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, it's like a little hill in the I middle of their it, city. Though. I loved the uh, I loved the exposition that we got throughout that episode. I, I really enjoyed. Considering the uh, the meanings of all of this uh, of the post imperial amnesty program, which we'd never right. even Th- thought this about, this is again the world building and the enriching experience. Yeah. Which is part of what we enjoyed so much about Andor, and now we get to see it in the Mandalorian world a little bit more about what's going on outside of the Skywalker family and the main characters that we're seeing. Like it's a galaxy full of people, and different people do different things. They go and eat ice cream pops at the sure. park. They you know, we hadn't considered until they started bringing it up in this episode. We hadn't considered what did they do with all those imperial people? You know, yeah. you and I talked about this just kind of like quickly. Did they just execute them? I mean, they did. Well, right, and that was the thing. So, what do you do when you've you've defeated the empire, which essentially you know was the government on all these different planets? And what do you do with all the people? You know, you got to figure out. Are they all war criminals? Do you say like, hey, look, you lost, and and this is apparently what they did. Like, if you're willing to sort of be repatriated, we'll put you through an education program to where we'll resist your evil urges to love the Empire, which right. is essentially what it was. We had that Mon Cal there at the end that was comforting and creepy all at once, saying, oh, no, this is not a mind flayer. It's uh, it's it's more like of a, a mind massager. Right, yeah. <laughs> so we had that happen, and... Um, and that's where we left. Uh, it turns out that uh, our our lady uh, Elia was that what her Kane, name right? Yeah, Elia, Elia Kane. Kane. Elia Kane is not changed back, even though apparently Doctor Pershing was willing to sort of embrace the whole right. New Republic thing. She sets a trap, is what it turns out to be. Oh yeah, no, you need to go get your stuff. He gets his stuff, and that's when they bust him. And she probably is the one who turned him in in the first place, so she could wipe his mind. Yeah, I just think they were a little too trusting with Elia Kane. Can I just stay here with the mind flayer? Oh yeah, sure. She I'll sure be back seems later. sinister to me. Yeah, <laughs> right. 
So that's what we get. He gets his mind erased. We don't know yet how that fits in, at least as we're watching the series. Uh, so then we get to the next uh, to episode four, The Foundling, in which case uh, Grogu fights on the beach against uh, another Mandalorian foundling. Um, we At this point, uh, Paz Vizsla's kid gets snatched off by right, the dragon, yeah. and Din and Bo-Katan lead the crew to go and bring him back, in which case now the... what. The Coven? Is that what they're called? Aren't they called like a Coven? The Covert. Covert. The Covert, covert of Mandalorians yeah. now accept uh, Bo-Katan based on the creed. That was something she else. Thing. Were you yeah. surprised by that? Well, I, I enjoyed it just because, I mean, good character growth in the sense that Paz Vizsla and uh, Din Djarin had been at odds and physically fought each other before. And this was a way to connect them forever because you know when the Mandalorians get connected because of something that had to do with honor and duty, they're connected, right? And that's what he kind of says to Din Djarin, like, you know, okay, we're good. Um, Bo-Katan, you actually thought for a while, and maybe she did question her own beliefs, but you're going, wait a second, is she going to buy into this? Is her helmet ever going to come off again? Like, what's going wonder. on here? And if it Which doesn't, cool. how bad? Because Katie Sackhoff is very pretty. I mean, oh, yeah, it's true. I'm going well, to go all the way back point, to Battlestar Galactica. Well, I was wondering about, you know, um, the armorer is, uh, is also... You know, attractive and That's has true. literally never, never taken off her helmet because, you know, Din Djarin, uh, Pedro Pascal got his helmet off. Um, others have taken off their helmets and they kind of carry them around. So I wondered if the armorer at some point. Now, that was the interesting thing about the middle of this season, thinking whose allegiance is to whom? What's going on? Is someone going to double cross someone? So I was questioning at that point, is Bo really buying into this? Or is this all a ruse so that she can seize control of Mandalore and the Mandalorians or something like that? You know, and it, it didn't turn out to be so. Well, this was also the episode where we got the redemption of the actor who played Jar Jar Binks. Oh, my gosh. And we had a oh. flashback to um, Ahmad Best. the when, night of oh boy. the Purge, yeah. the Jedi Purge. Yeah. And Ahmed Best gets uh, a chance to play the Jedi Kelleran Beck. Yes. And he single-handedly saves Grogu almost, gets him out, gets him off. To the to a shuttle where he can get away a, and survive. A, a, sh- we, a we Nubian still have, shuttle, a shuttle that's from Naboo. Yeah, Nubian. Nubian. <laughs> we haven't seen what Grogu has done for the last thirty years. Right. Like he's still in the little pod, like a baby. Yeah. When we see him yeah. in the first episode of The Mandalorian, which is twenty five years or so after the Night right, of the Purge. Yeah. What happened to him all that time? Did he just get passed around in his little egg? Was he in hiding? How did he end up in the possession of... I don't even remember who had his had him in their possession at the beginning of, of episode one. Was it the scientist dude? Well, it was some sort of bounty hunter group, remember? Because right, but, uh, Mando like, and IG-11 had to go, yeah. So there's a lot of story that can still be filled in, but we see that he got away from the Jedi Temple. I'm always loving when they flash back to somewhere in the prequel trilogy, but... Well, the redemption it brings for, up another question. The redemption for Ahmed Best as an actor, too, because you know that to me, I was emotional during that. And I explained to the kids what had happened. And I was probably part of the uh, Jar Jar hating crew where I just I did not like Jar Jar Binks and I did not like the Phantom Menace. And I can say now I do. I, I enjoy it as a nostalgia kick and and I enjoy Jar Jar. I mean, he's fun, right? It's not what we expected. It's not what we wanted. And yet Ahmed Best was the first motion capture actor ever. Right. Even yes. before Andy Serkis. Yep. Uh, he did a fantastic job. Everyone thought everyone at Lucasfilm anyway, thought it was going to be the next big thing. And 
he didn't know he was going to get death threats. Right, he didn't. Which know that, is what a ridiculous it, thing to threaten death awful? over. But th- you played a character I don't like. You should die. Well, and that's what's so great now about modern fandom. I think is that look at how much love he's getting. I mean, he shows up at a at, at a celebration or a, or at a comic con. My gosh, they're going to go nuts. Oh, Same yeah. thing with Hayden Christensen. Hayden Christensen got kind of panned for his. Oh, it's Obi Wan. He's he's holding me back, and I hate sand and whatever. And you know, they thought it was like a flat performance. And the fact of the matter is, Dan Spindle thought that until he met him. Well, oh, I did meet him. That was great. That was a great moment. But but he, did you see him at the recent Star Wars celebration? He he broke down. He was he was emotional. Had tears because of the welcome. And that's what it is. Star Wars is when you're one of us. Then you're one of us, right? And right. it's you're our hero, you you're anyway. our guy. You know, and it feels like there's so much more of that now than the hatred that's online. And there are spaces for that celebration, Comic Con and, and podcasts like this, you know. You can just enjoy everything about the saga. Here's something and this is gonna make me old man Andy. Okay. There's some things that you're meant to vent to like, you know, your journal, your diary. Right. But that's where you should vent a lot of these things. Not to every single person that's available well, on that's the planet. That's what social media is, right? I, I realize that. That's what I'm yeah, saying. It so, became so if that. you're frustrated with Star Wars, write it in your journal. Yeah. And or then, talk to your friends. But we the can good talk news about is, it. is when you come to Celebration or when you come to FanX here in Salt Lake or anything like that, generally that negativity yeah. stays outside Celebrate the it, man. And so it, it is nice to have the Celebration moments. And it is, it is cool to see the actors. I'm not an actor. I don't work in Hollywood. Um, I don't know the characters in the way that an actor knows the characters because they know them because they had to inhabit them for a while. Sure. But even in that, they were playing Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi while there was a camera right there and there was a green screen right there and the lightsaber didn't actually light up and they were just holding the stick or they were just holding the hilt. So their experience with the movies until they watch them is going to be completely different than it, than it is for us. I, I know this is obvious stuff I'm stating here. But, for sure. But it's you got to remember that when interacting with them and, you know, when they get to have this. So, so for them to break down, it's almost like I remember playing the part, even as far back as the original A New Hope, the, the revered and loved A New Hope, as the actors were making it, they didn't have John Williams' music in their ear while right. they were sh- saying the lines. Somebody, I think, were you and I talking about this? But somebody said there, there's some YouTube videos where they've taken the music out of Star Wars. Oh yeah, and then funny. played it, and you see Star why, Wars without Williams. Yeah. Yes, you see why it was harder for the actors to pull it off, or why to pretend, when they yeah. complain about like you know Harrison telling George, you can write this stuff, but you can't say it. Yeah, and Luke saying like I memorized it all, but I don't know what any of it meant. Right, and they're like, this is going to be a bomb because. There was nothing epic about it as they were shooting it. It was right. with problems. They were dressed in garb that they didn't it's know. They were saying magic. words that they'd never heard of before. Yeah. And they essentially just had to believe that the, the soft-talking guy with the beard that just kept telling him to do it faster um, knew what he was going to do and was going to pull something out that, that right. turned out to be good. And then, you know, Mark Hamill's talked about how he sat in the theater and was like, was this the same thing Holy we made? Holy cow, yeah, we did that. And. Hamill's always been an appreciator of the different aspects of movie making, whether it's the directing sure. or the music and all those things. So when he says that, then you're like, okay. But then when you know Harrison Ford came to to Star Wars Celebration, because uh, they were talking about Indiana Jones also, and I bet even his crusty old heart melts yeah. a little bit sure. with the fan reception and the excitement. And and I you know I hope it does anyway, right? Um, because. You know, I, I try to keep one foot grounded in reality, but 
you know, meeting Luke Skywalker in person, like, yeah, it's not Luke Skywalker, but it is. <laughs> right, yeah. And so there's just there's something about that and, and the fact that some of the the, the, the stars have embraced it. Um, I, I didn't laugh. I, I laughed a little bit because I wasn't surprised in the slightest, despite Daisy Ridley's protests f- three or four years ago, that that was good. She's done with Ray. I'm like, yeah, you're done for now. Right. Yeah. And who who would have thought it would be so quickly? Too. I am a little surprised it was this quickly, but good for her. I look. I I was in love with Ray, Ray immediately. Character. All the characters were great, and John Williams' score had a lot to do with that. Ray's theme, the dun 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 dun. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh, I loved her first scene. I, I thought it was a misstep in The Last Jedi where she didn't feel like she was acting as well. And I, I really thought that it, there was a problem with the storyline a little bit because she, she didn't fully embody the ray that we thought we got. And The Rise of Skywalker was kind of like, well, now she's spinning 50 rocks around her. Like, okay, you know, there's so much more with Ray that we can do. And I, I love Ray. I love Daisy Ridley. I love that character. So I think that would be very good. But yeah, that was. Um, Look, like you said, look, the faces, the voices and the storytelling, everything that they put into it, even if they can't see the final result, that becomes a part of our lives. Yes. I hear singers and bands talk about their songs and they say the good ones say and I've heard recently there was a 60 minutes with like Red Hot Chili Peppers and and they say, look, these aren't our songs anymore. They are your songs. Yeah. It's your life. It's your memories that the smells and the sights and the sounds that take you back to a moment. They play it for us. Right. Same thing with those who who make Star Wars the good ones, and I think John Favreau and Dave Filoni get it. Yes. Um, it, it's it's part of our lives, and that's why we're so hung up on little details and critical and things because it's a, it, we have an emotional connection right. to these things, and we want it to be real. And when there's th- things yeah, that the story it, doesn't agree, it makes us realize it's not real, mm-hmm. and we don't. I mean, we don't watch it because we want to say, oh, well, this definitely isn't real. We just want to we watch it because we want yeah. to just sort of disappear into yep, it for a exactly. little bit. And yeah. so that's true. And so we got a chance to to give Ahmed Best, um, you know, it makes, it, makes yeah. you wonder Loved what it. happened to his Jedi after that. It makes you wonder, you know, where they hid Grogu. It's good because this gives another jumping off point to a future story. For to sure. Tell. Yeah. Uh, and so that's that's just takes us to the halfway point of the season. Uh, Bo-Katan gets her armor replaced with the Mythosaur logo this time yep. instead of, would you like the owl on your... Yeah, yeah. How about one of each? And so now we get to chapter five, the pirate. Now we get Gorian Shard. We revisit him. He's come back to Navarro to take Laying some Laying waste on Navarro, yeah. That one uh, lacked a little bit of heft because of the fact that it looked like 26 extras running around a few different camera angles, you know? I, I thought they could have done a better job with that, of oh, making it like look there was like more people on the people. planet. Yeah. And, and then yeah. Grief Karga, now that we've made it into the wilderness, 17 of you, like, wait, what? This is all the people of Navarro who escaped with Grief Karga? There's like, there were just not a couple dozen people, maybe, you know? And they could have done that a little bit differently. The rest were um, hiding underground. Yeah. Again, it's television, so I, I give it a pass. Isn't, but, yeah. uh, isn't Cobb Vanth on the planet somewhere? Well, he's, on, no, on, uh, he's on Tatooine. Tatooine yeah. Sorry, sorry, I got mixed up between my yeah. planets. Uh, all right. How so, yeah, Cobb Vanth, he would have helped totally yeah. if he'd have been there. Uh, so the Mandalorians overcome the invasion. Uh, they take out Shard. Vane gets away, unfortunately. Yep, of course. I wonder if we'll see him again. Of course we will. And then uh, we finally, the armorer says, Bo-Katan, you can live in both worlds. You can take yeah, your take your helmet off. I thought that was kind of a trick, you. you know? I, and then that's when I started questioning the armorer. Like, wait a second. Who's trying to pull something on somebody else? Like, maybe she was trying to find an excuse to fight Bo-Katan or something. I thought maybe that was setting up a, a confrontation, but ultimately it didn't. I saw a lot of online chatter 
right before the final episode that believed that the armorer was in league with for sure, yeah, Moff Gideon because There's they both have be horns in their helmets, yeah, the horns, yeah, and that they believe that Darth Maul is the true. Makes sense. Yeah, I mean, but that that would get a, really a convoluted. Sense of logic, but yeah, for the casual fan, the only reason it would work is because Dave Filoni's involved with this series, sure. and he's been good at. Well, but you'd have to go back through a lot more lore of Mandalore and the Clone Wars, and that's just a lot, I think, to saddle it with. Um, even though I well, was excited, they, they as I talked become... to my sons, we were excited about that. Ooh, these are Mandalorian or, or, or Maul loyalists, and you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, there still could be something done with it. There's never been sure. any explanation of why those two have horns on their yeah. on their helmets uh, that that's come out yet. Anyway, so there 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 still could be some truth to that. And uh, then so, did we get the uh, Lizzo episode after? Yeah, that? Yeah, so I was going to say now that we get to episode uh, chapter twenty two, episode six, guns for hire, and they go to Plazier fifteen with Captain Bombardier and the Duchess Lizzo and Jack Black. Yeah, what did you think when you first saw him? Uh, I mean, at first did you, you kind of get excited because... Did it feel stunty to you immediately or did... Yeah. Well, I mean, the whole season was kind of stunty, but without giant stars. I mean, you had Tim Meadows show up, which was kind of odd. Right. I mean, they have got a lot of comedians that show up in the show and it's it's fun. Um, but, it, I mean, very quickly I was kind of rolling my... Now, I did tell... Who, who was the bigger stunt? Lizzo. Lizzo? Sure. Jack yeah. Black or Christopher Lloyd? Because well, remember, he was in this episode, Christopher, too. Oh, yeah. Well, see, I wish Christopher Lloyd... I wish they would have done up any of them. Make them look interesting. I, I thought they phoned it in a little bit. Lizzo was like, here, let's put a digital train that she's carrying around like a veil on a wedding dress or something. And Jack Black was like, well, let's twist his beard and his mustache a little bit. Okay, but but why don't you... Do something fun. Do something interesting. Christopher Lloyd, too, was just kind Why of there. Why didn't Jack Black play the Star Wars version of the electric guitar? <laughs> now, that would have been a stunt, too. Well, I, I, I heard that Lizzo might have played the flute and that got cut or something. Because she, she is a... Right. She play, uh, she's you know, a flautist. A flautist. Uh, look, the whole thing tonally to me was... That was the problem with that episode. But having said that, I enjoyed it. As I watched it, I was like, eh, okay. They're going way out in left field here. But I didn't turn it off. You know, I didn't <laughs> right. I didn't say, well, I'm done with this show. Well, how about the droid bar? It was literally the reverse of the scene on A New Hope yeah. where the droids walk into the we, human bar. We don't serve your kind in here. <laughs> and it's flipped around where humans walk into the <laughs> Look, you had like bar. a blue protocol droid, which was awesome. You know, yeah. I just thought some of the some of the visual aspects of that episode were really cool. Um but, you know, it, what are you it thinking? Was fine. The, well, okay. So I like going to the odd nuts. That, yeah, uh, we also had Bo Katan fighting Axe Wolves for the uh, leadership, sure. and she yeah. beats him okay. in a fight on a sunshiny okay. day. Yeah, it was, it was a bright sunshiny day for Bo Katan, but yeah, okay. not so much for Axe. I was. Did you did you think at that episode that there was going to be some point where Axe's resentment would then harm the group later on? No. You no. never did? I wasn't that interested. I thought he would be like... I mean, like, not that he's not he that interesting like a character. Or something for they a had brought him back name so late in the game. Axe Wolves. It's almost Wolves, but it's, there's Axe no wolves. It's Wolves. And uh, what's the other one's name? The the WWE star. What's her name? Because she was on there too, but didn't say anything. Oh. Um. Anyway. Sa- Sasha Banks is her her. her I don't remember name. what her character anyway, name is. Um, look, I... Again, it, it was okay. I thought that the stakes in most of the season were pretty low. And so in that one, I was kind of like, oh, no, will they bring the Mandal- Mandalorian? The callback to the separatists because Hellgate was yeah. a separatist. Yeah, it was all right. It was all right. Yeah. Was? I mean, then, well, then we went into the final two episodes, right? Because, I mean, that's where it really they hit the gas. And I felt like, right. wow, I guess they 
turned this around quickly. You so know? immediately in episode seven, the second to last episode, we meet the Shadow Council. Fascinating. Loved it. Uh, Loved it. With... And now you haven't read Heir to the Empire, so no, you I've didn't never, recognize I that name Thrawn... the immediate moment. Well, yeah, no. When well, they said Captain Pelion, I was like, yes, we I finally get to see Pe- Pelion. Pelion and, uh, He's the first almost Imperial character you meet in in Heir to the Empire. Uh, he, oh, he commands oh. Thrawn's flagship. So I was just thinking of the um, Ahsoka trailer where she said, he believes he is the heir to the Empire. And I went, oh, there's a big nod to all the yes, uh, and that's what expanded I'm universe. So this is the first real tie to, um, well, I mean, we had Thrawn in, in Rebels. Right. And, and anytime you use Thrawn, But they that's labeled all that stuff Legends content, right? Okay, this so isn't really the, canon the anymore. The events that happened in those are Legends content. Right. But they've shown that they, they are they're willing and from able to pull from characters from yeah. it. Including, and this is where we tie into Rebels. Or, or uh, excuse me, uh, the Bad Batch. The uh, several episodes they go to a mountain called Mount Tantis. Yes, which was the cloning facility in Heir to the Empire that Thrawn was using to try to clone soldiers and was going to clone some Jedi. And interesting. Um, so again, references to Heir to the Empire. I don't know if Timothy's on the the author of those books gets any royalties when they do this kind of stuff. Probably not. I hope he does, and I also hope. And I'll have to look in the credits closer. I feel like he should get a greater, like bigger, more prominent titles where it says right. characters created by Timothy Zahn because sure. he did. Like I, I don't know. He probably would never say publicly, but I don't know how he feels when they borrow his his characters but don't borrow his stories. Sure, he has rewritten books about Thrawn that are considered canon. Uh, Thrawn and then Thrawn something or other. I actually own both of them, but. Still got to crack the covers on those. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I have them. And, and so he has rewritten Thrawn in the current canon, uh, at least some of his story. But um, but I, yeah, as soon as I heard Captain Pelion, I was like, yes. And, well, and, and Shadow was, Council it was looked an, awesome. It was an Easter egg. I use air quotes because yeah. it's not an Easter egg for anybody who read Heir to the Empire. Sure. But it's kind of an Easter egg because they don't overtly say... Hi, I'm Grand Admiral Thrawn's well, uh, captain guy. And how about the tie to the sequel trilogy with Hux's dad? That was yeah, Hux's exactly. dad, yep. which was so interesting to just all the... I loved the, the tug of war between warlords for resources and you know, honestly trying to figure out what is the balance here and what is our role. And it was, uh, it was kind of like the, the five families of the mob or something where you, you, you pay respect and you, you divvy up resources and yet you could cut their throat. I mean, that's what it kind of felt like. And so having Moff Gideon though, in the middle of the shadow council, I thought, man, I wish they'd have brought this back two episodes ago, you know, to have, have a, a little, little bit, bit more, more development because sure. he is the big bad and he really well, proved to be, Elliot look Kane at him, look at his new armor around in the new Republic. Too, oh, how about so. when she met with that, uh, that uh, probe droid in the alleyway? Oh yeah. Oof. Visually wow. speaking, wow. a lot of that stuff was Fairy awesome. Oh, just great. <laughs> See, scary. <laughs> All right, so after we meet the Shadow Council, then Grogu gets IG-12 as a gift from Reparga. No, no, no. no. Yeah, that yes, was pretty funny. Yes, no. But that was pretty funny. A little gimmicky, but I don't mind it. I loved it, because how else do you move Grogu yeah, forward? I was going to say. They keep saying, well, he, he can't say the creed, and don't make him talk. I'm like, no, 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 don't make him talk. He's a baby still. He's a toddler at best. So he's not going to have a helmet on like a Mandalorian. He's a little green Yoda creature, okay? Yeah, having so him, to not give him talk autonomy, to not do the to the creed is a is a good work yes and it was great to have give him some autonomy he could move around he could help out it was great it was great 
And so then they go back to the Great Forge on Mandalore, now that they know yeah. that they can go to the planet. And this becomes the retaking of Mandalore. They get there, everything, uh, they're, they're looking at the forge, and all of a sudden, the Beskar enhanced. Well, they troopers. met the survivors first, those, uh, oh, those right, guys right, who'd right. been on Mandalore that for years, right? were loyal to right? Yeah. That's right. Um, that's so right. they'd been scrounging and living the, there. The which, surviving clan, I believe, is right. what they're called. Uh, but then, yeah, those those uh, stormtroopers came in that looked, the helmets sure look like First Order. I mean, really close, kind of the right. morphing now between clone trooper, stormtrooper, uh, to the First Order trooper. So... Yeah, and and like a green tint. I really liked those. I mean, it was it was they were great. And we had a great. reference to if you didn't know what the Praetorian Guards were by reference yeah. at the beginning of the episode, then you recognized them at the end when they walked out uh, straight out of uh, the throne room. Yeah, from, they were uh, Snoke's uh, peeps. Snoke's that private guard. They fought better in this one. I mean, look, the whole Paz Vizsla death scene, which again finally gave some stakes. I was I was heartbroken. I mean, it was. Um, he went out like a true Mandalorian. He shot till his gun melted. Oh boy, that it was so. And then he again, threw his gun at him. It was a very Baze Malbus off of Rogue One. You know, cheered Imway yes. and Baze Malbus, which their connection in that movie makes me emotional every time. And he, and Baze goes out like a, you know, a, a tough guy. I mean, loyal to the end, right? I'm going to close this door and I'm stick staying here. You get out of here, you know. And and Bo was devastated and. It was just, it was awesome in, in, in the most heart-wrenching way, right? And and they killed him yeah. viciously. They it was killed a vicious, him dead. They stuck all their instruments into him. Devastating kill. So they seemed... I shouldn't be laughing when I Well, they that. seemed scary, though. The Praetorian Guard didn't do anything in, in Last Jedi other than fight Rey and Kylo and lose, right? And I mean, they, they were a little late to protect their master, too. <laughs> no, no kidding. So you kind of thought, well, that's still, pretty that cool. that was an awesome fight. Gimmicky. Oh, agreed. I still agree the fight was great. But in this sense, they were... They were death, right? This they makes, were the Grim Reaper. This makes what Ray and Kylo did more impressive. For Again, sure. it's one of those things well, where a later chapter. Ren, well, mean, right, but it, 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 it's one of those times where a later chapter can make an earlier chapter better by what it, sure. what it represents. Agreed. Like yeah. they were hard to defeat. Even a Mandalorian couldn't take them Man, out by taking himself. Taking out Paz Vizsla. Oof, yeah. Now, it, well, yeah, I don't. I'll, it was great. There, there, it was there's great. plenty of haters that'll go. What I was just going to ask, but okay. No so we get to the final episode of season three, the return. Uh, we've got Bo Katan trying to get away from uh, Moff Gideon's base. Uh, they get back to the flagship, and then they realize that there's more people coming. Yeah, uh, they need to rescue the people who are still wandering through the base, which I think is just Din and Grogu at that point, right? Because everybody else got out. I feel uh, like who? Yeah, who maybe was I'm in wrong. there at that time? Yeah, they were still running around. But as Din and Grogu are trying to find a way out, they stumble on Gideon's cloning tank. Wow. Yeah. I thought they were going to be Snoke's for a minute, yeah. Before, well, that's what I thought, too, maybe a Palpatine. Well, and also on Navarro. Navarro had the Imperial space where they had the clones there on that base. Oh. Those were the Snoke's there. Remember that? Yeah, I'm going to have to go back and watch that one. Yeah. yeah. So we've, we've got clones happening all over the place. This ties into, obviously, the Bad Batch. and um, I like Gideon. I'm not cloning. I'm not interested in cloning at all. Except that's what he for me. That's what he kind of said to the Shadow Council. Like, well, but that's why he zapped. That's why he had Kane, Elliot Kane, zap... Um, because I wondered, why is he frying so that uh, Dr. Pershing's do brain? Any... Oh, because he doesn't want to share any of the knowledge with anybody. He wants the cloning for his own purposes to make a super Jedi army with himself as the leader, you know? Multiple times. Yeah. He's leading himself. 
having dinner with himself. And that gets eventually into the Palpatine cloning, where Palpatine apparently had several bodies that they tried to utilize in his we dark haven't, force. We haven't know. seen any threads drawn directly to Palpatine. They only seem to be establishing that cloning still exists in the yep. Star Wars universe. It didn't end. For and nefarious that's another purposes, thing. That's another yeah. thing from the Bad Batch. This is where the Bad Batch teams up is. At the end of season one, it was the destruction of... Uh, the cloning facilities on Camino, right? Yeah, and then an attempt to kind of cover that up uh, is is a thread that runs through season two. And there's a, a senator. Since you haven't watched it, there's a senator who is trying to find out the truth of what's really happening with the clones. The um, uh, Tarkin and Masameda, the advisor to Palpatine, right, yeah. are all trying to get this new one passed where they use stormtroopers instead of clone troopers, and then. What happens to the clone troopers? Well, there's supposedly a program, a farm you out kind of program, but it's not really happening the way they're promising. And uh, that's what the Bad Batch stumble into. And so they're trying to uncover that. And then uh, then they're getting sent to the clone facilities on Camino or on Mount Tantus. And so there's all these threads that will, I think, eventually draw together. We keep seeing uh, characters from animated appear in live action ahsoka was chock oh, full of those well we didn't even talk we haven't about, even talked about uh, zeb, zeb showing up yeah oh zeb uh showing up in that bar was i mean i was like what I, I bonded with my kids over rebels for years and that kind of reignited a, a star wars fanaticism right and seeing zeb there uh, one of my boys they all got rebels black series characters for christmas and, and my son porter got zeb and he pulled zeb out that day and he, oh look at him he looks just like him and i thought they did a fantastic job spent a lot of money you can tell because he looked great he really did look great so the battle begins between uh moff gideon uh, Din and Grogu. Yeah. Uh, and then Bo joins back into the fray. First of all, how cool was it watching aerial battles between the dark troopers and the... Incredible. It, that was I thought that was Incredible. one of the visual highlights of the, yeah. of the final episode. Again, Rick Famuyuma did, did a great job with direction on those last two episodes. Just masterful. They're going to have to be careful so that Beskar doesn't become sort of some like invincible alloy. Right. Like you're going to have yeah. to figure out what's your median. Can you shoot through it or can't you? Because essentially, yeah. are you essentially laser proof if you're wearing Beskar, or are you not? It's almost or, like if you have a flak jacket on, if you have a bulletproof vest, and it hits you, and you can get knocked down or knocked unconscious even because of the force of well, it. Well, but that brings up another question. Does the laser bolts have any physical force behind them? Well, it feels like the laser bolts can affect you physically, even if you block the initial death blow of a of a of a laser uh, i think bolt. we're getting into the know. weeds here probably better it's we all don't think pretend about that so much. what we just said is it's fact true now. It's, it's, it, <laughs> it is fact it it's works. as much a fact right. as anything yeah, else we just right said now it, so it happened <laughs> <laughs> the praetorian guards are defeated finally yeah um grogu okay let's talk about the final battle since we're we've hit the hour mark on the podcast and I have to mention one more thing about my trip, too. So, Oh, yeah. No, we're going to get to all that. I promise. Yeah, I promise. Yeah, yeah. But let's talk about the final battle a little bit longer terms. What did you think of how that played out? Like, not just the visuals of it, because I thought the visuals were pretty cool. Yeah. What do you think of the Darksaber getting destroyed? I don't is know. That a symbol- it's a I symbolic don't know about thing, that. but is it a good thing? Is I hope it- they don't just destroy everything that they think is cool that then they must get rid of, kind of like... Um, the razor crest let's blow it up so that you really feel it okay that hurt let's get rid of the dark saber because then there's no reason to i mean i get it the, well, as far eliminating as plot symbolism i get the idea of like because they, they made a big deal talking it, about yeah. at this point we don't have to worry move about who fought it, who right. and who got it and who's the rightful owner of it it's smushed yeah and now that 
the armorer has thrown her support behind Bo-Katan, people who were previously loyal to Bo-Katan. Everybody's kind of united. Now you don't have to have the symbolism of the Darksaber. But it is a pretty cool weapon, and I hate to lose cool weapons. And a cool weapon that was, I mean, was it created by Mandalore the First? I mean, or who Supposedly, was it? Supposedly, it was you created know, by so a Mandalorian Jedi. It's been around Jedi. for thousands of years. It was created like, by a Mandalorian Jedi. But that's the thing. That's been around for thousands of years. Now it's busted up. Uh, the Razor Crest was pre-Imperial, so it can go through these scans without being detected. Like, And then they blew it up. Like, okay, I, I, I'm like, I, I want the stakes to be high. But quit blowing up cool stuff. <laughs> okay, so Grogu takes on the, the the Praetorian Guard by himself. Or at least he distracts them to give Jim sure, a chance yeah. to get up. And then he just sort of hops around on the lights. Yeah. And the Praetorian Guard, who took down uh, to took down uh, Paz Vizsla, can't manage to, like, knock down the lights or something. Right, yeah. I know, again, I know, Star Wars is for kids. This was a, definitely a kid moment. Every kid wants to think they could beat all the grown-ups. That's why you watch stuff. Yeah, and I, I don't know that but, I would call it lazy, but it kind of seemed like... I didn't like, say lazy, but it was No, no, and like, I, I'm throwing that out there just because um, the way that Moff Gideon went out, uh, well, he blew up. Okay. Well, okay. They, they did that so you could conceivably he could be alive, or maybe there's so. a clone somewhere and you don't know if it's the clone of Gideon or if it's Gideon who survived the fire blast. I, you know, I hope he so, He was yeah. in full armor. His mask wasn't off. I don't know. I mean, at some point, fire melts Beskar anyway, For right? Sure. Or else they Isn't wouldn't. That have why a, there's a great yeah, forge. Well, and they wouldn't have a fire, uh, you know, flamethrower on the in their you know weaponry, right? But what did you think of Grogu saving him with a force bubble? Uh, I mean, it happened before, so it's probably a callback to season one where he saved him from that uh, fire trooper on Navarro when he came into the smoke him out, blast him out, and Grogu stood there and saved him from the fire. Okay. Um, it was good. It was good. I was just happy to see him use the Force again because he hadn't used the Force really all season. The first season, he held up a mud horn with his hand, right? And supposedly he went through a year or was it of two years with, with Luke? Luke? I mean, so I, I would have liked to see more Force being used without having it be the go-to every scene. I get that. But, you know, I, I was I was okay with it. I was okay with it because finally someone, Grogu, did something to come to the rescue in this season, which he hadn't done yet. So they survive. Um, probably best you don't ask too many questions about how and how they got out. And if you crash a Star Destroyer into a planet and yeah. there's somebody that's standing near the crash scene, how long you got to hold a force bubble? Do you lose oxygen? I don't know. It looks cool, though. It looks cool, and yeah. And you got to save them somehow. So fine. Yeah, you relight the Great Forge. Yeah. Uh, Din adopts Grogu officially, so now his name is Din Grogu, which tells us that Din is the family name and Jaren is his first name. Yeah. And Grogu is, is I thought that was cool. Grogu's first name, so now we know for sure. Um, and he begins some honest contract work, uh, pitches to Carson Teva that he should take care of the stuff the New Republic can't really officially get into. Right. And and then he has a gets a cabin and he sits on the front porch with his feet crossed and, and his they, little kid playing by the front. Yeah, close it with like a circular reverse wipe or whatever you call that. Yeah. yeah. So we don't know anything about uh, oh and then IG11 becomes the replacement for Yeah, the marshal. Yeah. I guess she's Fine. not coming back. I thought I heard she was. She's yeah. Not. She is not. But IG11 I, I don't, don't ask me. I thought IG11's body was crushed. By the um, Praetorian Guard and then melted when the Star Destroyer hit The Anzellans got some whatever. pieces, okay? The Babu freaking Zellans got him, some uh, and pieces. And it was, uh, what's his name's voice again? It was uh, 
uh, Taika Waititi. Waititi. Yeah. So the good news is we get to have some more IG-11 fun for sure. with his hip-swiveling target Love marksmanship. Yeah. Uh, and we'll get to have that again. So that wraps up Mandalorian Season 3. Um, there's been whispers online, offline that... that um, uh, Din. Uh, Pedro Pascal may not return to the role... I don't know. He's I pretty. Mean, he's in show, high demand right now. He is. He's working uh, a lot, and he did not show his face at all. And they've got so maybe all they need him for Brendan is voice Wayne. Work. You know, John Wayne's grandson, who's in the suit a lot of the time. You well, know, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Brendan Wayne is in the suit a lot of the time. It's stunt work. He's a right. stunt man. But um, and there's another actor too. I think there's two of them that are typically in the suit. So you only need him for the voice. Yeah, James Earl Jones. And he talks like that. Yeah, <laughs> you saw him on Saturday Night Live where he told about where the. Uh, um, where the voice came from. What did he say? Well, he said, you know, he, people want him to do the voice, and he goes, it's a little weirder when you're not in your helmet. And he goes, and I really invented the voice. It was kind of a bedroomy voice. Yeah, that's right, that's right. I can bring you in warm. Or I can bring, I can you, bring, in bring you in cold. That's right. <laughs> he says, and when you talk in a bedroom voice to a little kid, people give yeah. you a weird eye. <laughs> hey, look, I love Pedro Pascal, and if they, you know, you'd hear the difference. So I hope I hope that he finishes off whatever it is, season four Can he five, sell his voice to the, uh, to the voice collective? I mean, collective. We, we would hear that, too, probably. It would sound too AI at this point. I don't know. I, I hope he comes back. I think there's going to be, what, five seasons, hopefully. I, I, I do know that the next I hope season, that he just at least it. the next season, if not the next Two seasons, yeah. John Favreau's already written. So right, and I'm then we'll assuming we we'll get it. And big, then we uh, have Dave the movie Filoni, that was announced, uh, but, yeah. directed movie. Okay, all right. Well, so that wraps up the Mandalorian. So let's take a break here before because we we can't have a show where we don't at least hear about Dan Spindle taking a trip to Rancho Obi Wan in California and oh, seeing yeah. all the great um, artifacts from oh, Steve yeah. Sansweet's uh, unparalleled collection. So when we come back, we will talk about Rancho Obi Wan. Fan Effect final segment as we talk Star Wars, The Mandalorian Season 3. And now Dan, Lucky Dan, gets to go to a place that I've only read about in Star Wars magazines and I've heard about. And I I fancied myself somewhat of a Star Wars collector. I stuck mostly to the action figures. But, you know, once you get pegged as a Star Wars fan... For family gifts, all you get is Star Wars stuff after. Right. And that's okay. Yeah. But it becomes a little unoriginal after a while, and they give you gifts that you wouldn't have bought, but they like, oh, he doesn't have this. I bet he'd like this stuff, Jar Jar Binks. You know, right. Like, There's a reason I didn't buy that. But Steve Sansweet has all of that and more. He has, like, everything. He is what, if you've ever thought yourself to be a Star Wars collector, he's the one where you're like... Yeah, but he's a somebody. However big you think your collection is, right? There's always one bigger. There's always a bigger fish, as Qui Gon once said. But there is no bigger fish when it comes to Star Wars collecting than Steve Sansweet. So tell us, Dan. First of all, how'd you get there? Well, okay. The first time I ever heard of Steve Sansweet was in the uh, I think it was 2005 documentary that appeared on the the um, 2011 Blu-rays, which was called Star Warriors. Great documentary about when George Lucas was asked to walk in front of like 500 stormtroopers in the Rose Parade. Okay. So the whole idea was let's get the 501st Legion, you know, the actual cosplayers, and they can march with George in the parade. And Steve Sansweet appeared in that documentary as the Lucasfilm, I think it was the head of fan relations or right. something. And it was like, cool, that, that, that's a cool guy, Steve Sansweet, a guy who was a, originally a Wall Street journalist. Uh, I don't think he was a columnist. He was a journalist, a Wall Street Journal journalist, newspaper man. 
and he ends up working for Lucasfilm, and I think he worked for them for 20-plus years. And uh, the cool thing about his fandom is that, again, he never stopped. He, he didn't have to because he just kept building and building and building. It's nice. I think it was about 15 years ago. I'm going to get the dates wrong, but uh, something like that 15 years ago. Uh, he purchased some land outside Petaluma, California, which is north through Marin County from San Francisco on, on uh, the 101. Well, one and, thing that collectors know is that at some point you reach a, a, a spot where you have to figure out, what do I do with this stuff? I got to yeah. display it yeah. or I got to store it. Or, and then even storing it becomes an issue right. because yeah. you know your collection is building. And so well, and that's, this is a natural thing what Steve Sansweet did. His progression was, I'm going to buy these uh, this land with chicken coops on it. And so it was this house farm beautiful area really kind of uh, feels small town rural uh, because you're not in petaluma which is a small town in and of itself but you're outside of petaluma and it's in the rolling hills uh in in california's uh, northern california beautiful kind of near wine country near actually where skywalker ranch is located uh, just i don't know outside san francisco maybe 10 miles within 10 miles of the borders of the sprawling 6000 acre skywalker ranch where skywalker sound is um and so it was just, it was cool being there. You felt that you were there. This is where George Lucas grew up. This is where he got his inspiration, you know, in Marin County. And so being there was cool in and of itself. The idea to go was my son is graduating high school. He's a super Star Wars fan, as am I. And yes, I kind of created that in my children. I, I kind of forced <laughs> them into it, right? But Jackson, my son, has built himself, and you can check my social media. He's built uh, Stormtrooper Armor. Uh, it's actually Shore Trooper from Rogue One that he wore for Halloween, and then he took it and thought it was deteriorating. It's made of cardboard, so he plasti dipped it, and, and he's preserving it. And we've got it on a mannequin in our basement, you know, displayed. That's it's incredible. Awesome. He painted it himself. He also has made. Um, he took. Um, he worked at a, a, a store, and they had this extra roll of carpet that was white, and so he took it, chopped it up, sculpted a hand. Sliced it, put blood on it, and 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 aged up the fur and made a severed wampa arm. So that's <laughs> that's on the wall of his bedroom. Nice. That's my son, right? Okay. And he collects Black Series six-inch uh, Star Wars, um, you know, action figures. Okay. And so I said to him, he he was just looking for one last hurrah. Let me do one more thing before my senior trip or before my 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 senior graduation. So I said, how about a trip with dear old dad? And I, I asked my wife, I said, do you want to come with us to go to Northern California? You don't want to come Rancho with us, Obi-Wan? do you? It's probably how you <laughs> She said, it. I tell you, you what. don't want to come with us, you? boys you? go do your thing. So it was just me and my son who just turned 18. We were there on his birthday. And uh, we went, and I'll, I'll start first with, we went to the, uh, I'll just mention it briefly because it's so cool, the Walt Disney Family Museum, which is in the Presidio area where you're you can look up to the Golden Gate Bridge. It's right on the water's edge. It's immaculate, spectacular federal land that's a park now. It's called the Tunnel Tops Park. And what happens to be a stone's throw from the Walt Disney Family Museum is Lucasfilm, the campus. So we started off uh, on his birthday. So this was a pilgrimage. It really was. Well, we decided if we're going, we're going hard, right? So we, we went to the museum, the Disney Museum, which I can't recommend enough. It's spectacular for any Disney fan. You must go there. And from there, we walked on over to the Lucasfilm uh, Yoda Fountain, which is one of the Yoda fountains found in the world. There's like right. five of them. You see it in establishing shots yeah. for a lot of things. Well, so we decided to do with the making. Of let's Star take Wars. a picture by the Yoda Fountain, and then we saw a couple dudes kind of walk into this nondescript doorway. We thought, well, can we go in there? So we went in there too. And this guy says, uh, "Can I help you?" And I said, uh, "Sure." Yeah. What, what first of all, yeah, I said, <laughs> "Where are we?" And can we be here? He goes, "This is the Lucasfilm lobby." 
You're welcome to be here. No video, no panoramic shots. Don't shoot out these back windows in case you see anything. You can take still shots and feel free to explore the lobby. So first of all, before we even go to Rancho Obi-Wan, we got to explore the lobby, which is just cool. Cool sculptures. R2 is there. Why do have some of those restrictions? Well, something, Why no panoramic something shots? Could, you can take still uh, shots, but I don't no know. panoramic? I don't know. Good question. So you're not spying They don't want you to manipulate anything. I don't know. Oh, well, maybe. Um, so we took what pictures by- What could you by, take a picture of? Uh, well, we could take pictures of anything. No, you just said out pictures. that you couldn't take a picture well, through out the, that way. Well, through the, through the window, they are connected to ILM. They might be bringing things back and forth. You know how on set, right, right, Star Wars, they right. cover everything up. But what did you see is what well, I want to know. Anything. Oh, there wasn't No, his thing there. was just the general rule is oh. you do not shoot out the windows. That's okay. all. Don't shoot out the windows. So we didn't because we wanted to be not right. escorted off the property. Exactly. Yeah. So the fact that we are in the building that's connected to Industrial Light and Magic, awesome. I mean, we're just in awe. Cool sculptures, cool books, a great setting. R2-D2, Darth Vader, full-size, you know, um, cool Darth Maul bust, uh, uh, K2SO sculpture. Just awesome. It was so cool. So that started off our, our, our Star Wars Jones, I guess you could call it. So then the next day we drove up. Uh, to our specific time. Now, you have to make a reservation. You have to buy tickets online, and they do not even tell you the address until a few days before. Like, you can't look it up. Look it up on Google Maps. It doesn't for exist. For Rancho Obi-Wan. Yep. They you text can't. you the address a yep. couple days before? Because I ended up, I was oh. getting antsy, and I emailed them, and I never got an email back till I got the form email that said, get ready for your trip to Rancho Obi-Wan. Here's the address. Don't park next to the neighbors. Here's the gate code. You're going to do this and that. I mean, it's Again, How do you even like get in touch with them in the first place? I emailed, but again, they didn't email me back. They just emailed the form one because, well, you can go on the website and buy tickets. That's what oh, you do. Okay, okay. If you secure your spot and buy your tickets, then they contact you, right? With the okay. contact information. So we get there. Uh, the, the dumb thing is- So you pay your money and they might contact well, you back? They make sure that they tell you also specifically, make sure you waste a lot of time because you can't come early. Don't come early and hang out. We, we got to respect the neighbors. It's a narrow road. It's a narrow road up to this rural property, okay? So we were at the Target store looking for some Star Wars figures. My, my son bought a Gamorrean guard, really cool 40th anniversary, great articulation. I, I, I digress, but it's awesome. And I look at the clock and I go, okay, it's, it's 9.58. Let's drive on over for our 10.30, because it was about 10 minutes away from there, for our 10.30 uh, you know, reservation. Right. And then I look at the email. It's 10. Oh! <gasps> We have two minutes to get there. Oh, no. And it's so specific on how the tour is going to go. We raced over there. We were 10, 12 minutes late. Thank goodness Stu, who's one of the kind of property managers, was there. Hey, I guess you're Dan and Jackson. They had our name tags ready to go at the gate. The gate has an Obi-Wan Kenobi etching in metal. So you go into Rancho Obi-Wan. It looks like an old chicken coop. And you're going... Okay, okay. We parked. He goes, the tour just started. Help you go on inside. Now, I will post these pictures and videos on May the 4th. I thought I would hold it and reserve it for that. I feel like that's appropriate. But here's the description. You can hear this descriptive audio track with me talking about it while you watch it. But you walk in a crammed little can you space. Take video or is it? Uh... You can do anything you want. Video, okay. pictures, anything. Yep. And they say, please tag us. Please talk about us. They love it, right? So we go in and one of the curators, uh, the docents, his name was uh, John, I believe, and he's this old school Star Wars fan showing us through. And we get into this hallway and there's all kinds of posters everywhere. Really unique, cool posters. And everyone's got a story. And we talk about it crammed in this little staircase. And then he says, here's the only bathroom now, on the tour. Steve Sansweet doesn't conduct the tour, right? Now, hold on. Okay, he hold doesn't on, conduct the to tour, it. though, right? No. Okay. No. He okay. can, I guess, if he wants to. But we get into this little hallway and there's a bathroom. And he says, that first off, know that this is the only bathroom. But second, everybody has to go in in a weird way one at a time while we watch everybody and check out what's in there. 
and we go in and it's just a, a stack shelves of every Star Wars personal hygiene item that's ever been created. <laughs> Toothpaste. That's and a good place mouthwash to display it, and, Oh, so cool. So we're like, okay, but it's crammed in there. I don't want to call it a hoarder space, but boy, some of this stuff is just crammed because there's so much stuff. Then you walk down the hallway and there's a library. I love books and I love Star Wars books. Oh boy. Are there more than you thought of Star I, Wars books? Oh, thousands. And I can't even describe to you some of the gems that are just laying on shelves going, <gasps> what is this? incredible stuff. I mean, one of it is called the Frames Books. True Star Wars fans will know. I wasn't aware of this, but they came in a, a special custom wooden frame that George Lucas wanted designed, and it's got a Yoda symbol on it, a metal kind of a medallion to it, affixed to it. And they're long books that were made very poorly, so you're not supposed to open them up often. So they, they go, okay, we're going to pick two random spots, and I can only open them and then show you, and everybody can take a picture. And I didn't realize what a big deal that was because the Frames series books, they only made 1,138 of them. You get the number? Uh, 1038. And that's all that exists. George Lucas has one. Steve Sansweet has one. And that's another 1,000 people on Earth. And then 1,136 other people. Which is pretty rare considering Star Wars toys or anything that's Star Wars to only make 1,000 things. So anyway, they show us some great stuff in the library. And you're not rushed at all. We spent a lot of time there, a lot of time in this little hallway. And then he says... And now for some cheesy special effects, welcome to the Chocolate Factory. That's what he says, right? And I'm getting chills thinking about it, because if you're a Star Wars fan, he pushes a button and he goes, and he opens the door, and I swear to you, you go numb. And you walk in and watch your step, you walk down these stairs, and it is, it's Xanadu. I mean, it's, holy cow, what am I looking at? And it's sensory overload. So thank goodness that first room, now I didn't know if that was the only room or what, but it turned out it was the first room. That first room, you have to pause and just, because they're talking to you the whole time. Any questions, sure, you can ask them, but they're going through all the little cool things that you're seeing on these shelves and walls and hanging from the ceiling and figuring Dan and the modal nodes that came from a, a, a store in Las Vegas when it shut down, from F.A.O. Schwartz or this N1 Starfighter hanging from the ceiling or Darth Vader where they call him. Oh, this is Frank Vader. See, the inner cape and the codpiece, uh, Dave Prowse wrote, wore those in the original trilogy, and this cape was worn during wow. Sith. And I'm like, what? Like, for These Star Wars fans props. and collectors, they have real movie props. They've got a door that was on the cantina in Tunisia, okay? They've got wow. rugs that were, I mean, just everything you're looking at. And he said, now listen, some of the stuff in here is worth a buck fifty, okay? Right. But it means something to Steve or one right. of our docents, uh, fact, and they he, picked it up somewhere. He used to do, in the Star Wars fan magazine, he used to do a thing where people would be like, hey, I have this. Yeah. Is it worth anything? And he always was very careful to point out in every article, he says, if it means something to you, then it yes. is worth something. He goes, does yes. it have a dollar value? Maybe, Might not. maybe not. But if it means something, because like, you shouldn't collect If it collect speaks to you, collect it, right? Yes. Well, and so the things on the shelves, I'm talking uh, so many things from other countries, things from specific characters. There's a section for BB-8, which is kind of funny. There's some Jar Jar things. There's some, I mean, Did, everything you can imagine. Does he have the famous Jar Jar sucker? You know what I'm talking Maybe. about? The one with the tongue where it opens up. Oh, I don't and you're know. You're supposed to eat the okay, sucker no, and I it's didn't like his tongue that. sticking out. I that saw would be a... one of the things I would ask you, Fuzzer. Do you have, does this thing actually physically you know what? exist and, and you do you could, have one? Well, the thing is you could ask that question and they would know. That's the cool thing is that the docents, 
make it a point to know almost everything about almost everything. Now, now you can't I, now know everything about everything that's there. <laughs> oh, so cool. So we, we go through this room. We were in that room for maybe an hour. And I'm telling you, like an hour, going through every last little thing, asking questions. You know, there's mugs and, you know, it's just everything you do. What was the thing that you saw that you most desired to have yourself. If he, if he said, well, if he said, Dan Spindle, you can take one thing. I mean, from this place to look, keep. I would say the fine art because uh, really? there were. I'll tell you about the fine art, I, or or I'll get to another thing. The fine art was spectacular, and we're talking a bust that is a foot and a half tall of a Gamorrean guard, or a Palpatine, or a battle droid, full full size battle what droid. What would you do with that? Gorgeous. Uh, display it, right? Put it on a shelf in your house, right? Okay. Some of the other stuff, though. He goes, okay. In this cabinet, here are the pieces of the original Death Star. I mean, you're going what? So I took a nice little video of that. Yeah. For the yeah. special effect? Yes. The, and the pieces of the original Death Star that were all kind of collected in little pieces. That they put that down there. on the ground? And I shot them. Well, surface? I shot them real close. And you've got so it looks gunner like towers. and Oh, yeah. Um, not only that, they said- Did you run your phone like as if it was the next I, wing I shot? I ran my phone a little bit, but it's nice. again, it's on a shelf cabinet thing. Yeah. Um, but there were those. There were great sculptures. There was a Yoda made from the original mold. There was a Tauntaun made from the original mold. Um, there were things signed by everyone from uh, uh, John Dykstra to uh, you know Doug Chang and all these guys who create the, the world, too. So that was incredible. We went from that room to like a fine art room, right? Then they roll back a curtain, and you have a hallway that was created for Star Wars Celebration 4. That's the Tantive 4 hallway, basically. Tantive. And you get to stand, was that? Tantive 4. Tantive? According to oh boy, the Star Wars that. radio program, they I'll say called tantive. it the Tantive 4. <laughs> so you're, you get to take pictures and stand up in the hallway, and you look like you're on the, the spaceship. Then they do some more special effects where you talk to the wall, and they say, hey, these aren't the guests you're looking for. Just let us continue mm. on our tour. Then they open another door, and that last door you go into another- Is that the full warehouse where all his stuff is on shelves, or have you already well, been doing that? We've been I've going through everything. Yeah, this is the whole thing. You go through the first narrow room warehouse room area. Yeah, in some the places. next little room warehouse, and then the last room has beautiful. And when I say fine art, there was a painting that someone did, uh, and I swear, fine art. A, a a crashing star destroyer into kind of a modern U.S. city. It looked kind of like with the back of a kid's head watching, and he's standing in the street. It was the coolest thing, right? And they have all this fine art of stormtrooper helmets that were they gave to ILM artists and said, "Do something with it." So one's an Ewok, and one is a, mm-hmm. a you know, like a mall kind of character. So everything you're looking at is spectacular. Then they've got some snacks for you. Then they show you the arcade, and they flip the switch. Hey, you're going to play in the arcade. They've got a pod race. Do they have any got... C3PO cereal for you to eat? Oh, they had tons of they had cereal everywhere. You did not eat it, no. <laughs> but so then they say. And now, without further ado, let's welcome in the man who created the Steve Sand Suite. And I'm going, some people kind of, there's. I start going, yes, like, let's go, people. It's Steve freaking Sand Suite. Because for me, that's a big deal. He walks in. Anne is also one of the kind of curators. And so I'd heard of Anne, actually, before. I haven't before. heard of Anne. Okay. And she's a wonderful person. Steve comes in, chats with everybody, and then says, off you go. Play in the arcade. Look around if you want to and ask Steve questions. And I thought, well, I don't want to dominate his time immediately. But I look over. Because and, I'm going to. Well, I'm nobody gonna. nobody walked over to talk to me. He kind of turns. And so I grab Jackson, my son. And I go, I said, Steve, first of all, thank you so much. And let me brag on my son. Showed him the collector stuff. Jackson wants to be an engineer slash maybe an Imagineer. Maybe work for Lucasfilm. So he gets to chat about that. And we talked for 10, 15 minutes. 
alone with that's Steve Sansweet. That's so cool. Incredible. And so that's how it works. That's what you pay for. It's not cheap. I'll I, tell I you right now. I want to hear more about this arcade. Well, the arcade, you can but play as long as you want. finish the Steve Sansweet part great first. Great Atari arcade games. The arcade Ataris. Love the, the, the one that sit in? Uh, you you stood the and you held on the, the controls. Oh, I love that one. And you had the um, the pod racing one that has the pod racer controls that I was terrible yeah, at, but I my son that. was great. I played that. You've got the pinball machines. You've got probably about uh, ten or twelve, ten or twelve fantastic uh, Star Wars games. And you did you play Return of the want. Jedi Arcade? Uh, no, not at that point. Um, See that if I buy one of those uh, arcade one, I would love the pod that's racer. The Star now. Wars one oh. that I want, the one that has Star Wars Empire. The, yes, the, the laser. The I've got the, the super. Raster, I've got it. the super Nintendo versions on an arcade game at home at my house. Yeah. so you can come like over when and you play unlock that. the Super Nintendo. Come on over and play that. Yeah, well, yeah. I have the main versions too. Yeah, but if I was going to get an arcade machine, oh, you would yeah. have that Atari. Well, I would want the stick. Battle Pod. The Battle Pod that, that I look. I think fun. it's about four thousand dollars. They have it at at a local. At the mall, yeah. At Boondocks here. Okay, so to, to kind of wrap up my feelings on the thing, it's I'll tell you right now, it's like 85 bucks a ticket. So it's okay. not cheap. I just want people I was to know ask that. ask you, how does he fund? Did you ask him how it's he funds non-profit. it? It's a non-profit that does non-profit work, right? And so I'm sure they can apply for grants like oh, non-profits do. because he can do. lend out the pieces for... For sure. Well, that kind of thing. Well, but also, I was going to say, well, how, how, does he come up, how does he buy all the stuff that he's got? I don't know. I don't That's know. That's the question I have. The joking thing they send you in your email, in your orientation email, is we are not responsible for your financial peril after you leave here and all of the things you will be buying now. Because <laughs> you want to own we are, having seen And it. they say we are the dirt poor docents and, and managers of this museum because what they do is buy stuff and they just buy. Now, everything in there... You got to believe it's in the millions of dollars. If it went to auction, it's oh in the yeah, millions no, no, no. I, I believe that but, the full value, which is why they don't tell anybody where it is. Oh yeah, yeah. Because the to cost to security yep. to protect it. Yep. I get that. It I get was. That. I just say I'm for just any Star more. Wars fan, do yourself a favor. Look, I took Breeze Airways out there. It was forty bucks per person each way to get to San Francisco. It was nothing. <laughs> it really was. That's awesome. So we went on the cheap, quote unquote, as much as we could. It wasn't a cheap trip, but it was as cheap as you could do it. And my son and I had a blast, and it was, for any Star Wars fan, your head will explode. I mean, it's just, it's My incredible. head's exploding just imagining it. Oh, it's great. Now, I'll post some videos. I've got a lot of videos and pictures, and I'll post those in, a, in an Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter uh, post on May the 4th, so next week. And what's your handles for people that they don't at know? At Dan Spindle. Um, I think uh, Instagram is at Dan Spindle 15. Uh, Facebook is just, you know, Dan Spindle KSL. Okay. So, oh, you know, that's what it is on Twitter now too. It's at Dan Spindle KSL because I work for KSL. So there you go. Makes sense. All uh, right, it was fantastic. Well, yep. dang that uh, that's making time me want to find Road a way time. to to have to try to do that myself because yeah, I would love to see that in person. Yeah. And I have been a fan of state when you told me Rancho Obi Wan. I was I. You said, "Hey, Steve like, Sansweet, yeah. what? You yeah. can go there? Couldn't, I didn't know couldn't you could have been a nicer. There. Couldn't have been a nicer guy." So how long did the whole thing take start to finish? You were supposed to be there at 10. What time did you leave? They tell you that you have two to four hours is what you should plan on. I I would say we were uh, two and a half, three, three, probably three hours. So three hours in a so eighty five bucks for a three hour tour. Right. But like you where said, you though, it's can't a very get stranded on a desert island. No, and it's <laughs> a very small space. Again, it's it's not huge. And How many st- people are on a given tour? Maybe a dozen. Maybe okay. a dozen I was say they tops. And it's one tour a day. I would guess. I think they do one tour a week. Really? I mean, I think it's only like every Saturday or something. And maybe they they jack it up certain times and they do more. But when I looked at the available tours, I think it was just Saturdays, you know, or hmm. Sundays. I mean, just. 
it was awesome. It was awesome. I, I could not recommend it more. So go to Rancho Obi-Wan, folks, please. Well, Dan Spindle, thank you for joining me for this episode. Where thank we do- you. I always love talking Star Wars. I've got, uh, you know, the content's going to keep coming. Star Wars Celebration told us about three more movies. Oh, yeah. more series. They're not going to stop with the content. We can always hope that it's good. Odds are some of it won't be as good as other, but I we'll love it all it no anyway. matter what. We'll talk about and it. And we'll know, talk we'll about it for absolute sure. Thanks for sharing with us your story of Rancho Obi-Wan. You can look for those pictures, which he hasn't even shown it to me yet, so nope. I'm gonna, apparently going to have to wait till <laughs> May the 4th also. But I uh, appreciate you, Dan, and we'll talk again as we get closer to Ahsoka. We'll Maybe we'll talk on May the 4th. We'll cool. see how Let's that do goes. It. Uh, so appreciate you being here on Fan Effect. Uh, of course, on Fan Effect, we... Uh, love having you as listeners. If this is your first time joining us uh, from a social media post or something like that, we invite you to check out our other episodes. Fan Effect, E-F-F-E-C-T. We have a Twitter handle. Instagram, our good friend Kellyanne, producer, co-host. She maintains most of that. But uh, we're gonna, we, we got more stuff to talk about. Uh, it's not just going to be all Star Wars, but uh, certainly that's my first love and uh, grateful to have Dan with us. We'll catch you next time on Fan Effect, sponsored by Larry H. Miller Megaplex Theaters, the best place to see a movie in the state of Utah.